Welcome to Holy Savior Sermons, bringing you the weekend sermons given at Holy Savior Church. Today we're going to continue our series we began last Sunday called Rethinking the Church. So we're going to continue along that kind of same theme and thinking. And this time we're going to explore from the book or Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus. We're going to start with this question here. The question is this, is what do these three images have in common? Take a look at three images here. Take a look at this first one here. Got this? You know, what's going on here? You know, as you think about this, you ready for the second image? All right, here's the next image. Here's a kid playing with Legos. First one was, you know, a construction site. This is kids playing with Lego. All right, really quick now, can you think of what the theme is? Construction or herds, I'm going to say building, right? Maybe online you're typing that in. All right, here's the third one. Okay, now, now what is this about? Construction and building, right? It's the same thing. They're constructing and building a cake. May not be bricks, may not be mortar, but they are building something. And today we're going to talk about how God is building his church and how he's building his kingdom and how we are a part of that. As we do that, you know, there's, the truth is that God uses the most unlikely people. God uses unlikely people. We see that throughout Scripture. God doesn't use the, the perfect people, the, the wonderful people all the time. God uses unlikely people. And that we see even in the life of Paul. If you know Paul's story, because God uses him. God uses a guy who used to be known as Saul... And Saul, you know, is a Pharisee who is chasing down the early followers, the early Christians, you know, and he could take their property, he could have them thrown into prison, beaten up, even put to death. And yet God uses this guy. He uses him to share the good news of Jesus Christ, to share God's love, for the world in his son Jesus Christ. That this is part of God building his kingdom, expanding it now to the Gentiles. And so Paul writes about this. The first verse we had from our text here, Ephesians 3, 1, let's read together. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles. Now, just stop here for just a second. If you know of Ephesus, or this letter that he writes to the church in Ephesus, Paul never visited here. But he wrote this letter when he was under house arrest in Rome. And he was under house arrest, and yet he doesn't say, you know, I, Paul, a guy who was under house arrest in Rome, he says, I, Paul, you know, for this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of who? A prisoner of Christ Jesus. That he saw himself, you know, is his ownership belonged to Jesus Christ. That the gospel had such a hold on his life that he lived it out. That this is where he belonged. That ultimately, even though he was under house arrest, it wasn't the Roman government that was holding him there. He was doing it as a prisoner, as a servant of Christ Jesus. God uses the most unlikely people. Now again, the life of Paul, one who had beaten and arrested and persecuted and killed the Christians. Now God was using him. Now Paul is someone that truly understood God's grace and God's love. God's amazing grace and love for him and for the world in Jesus Christ. He writes about this in Ephesians 2, 4, and 5. We're going to jump back a little bit into the second chapter here. Let's read together. But because of his great love for us, 
God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. So because of God's great love for us, because of this rich mercy, we've said this before, mercy is a judicial term. So there's the judge, judge of the world here in this setting, who could say you are guilty, you are convicted, you're going to jail. You know, here's the consequence. But this judge is merciful. And it's Jesus Christ who receives our punishment, our sentence of death. But he's rich in mercy, so he makes us alive in Jesus Christ. We who were once dead in our transgressions are now alive. It is by grace that you have been saved. And as Paul writes this, you know, he writes that in chapter 3 too. He talks about, you know, the the Gentiles and, and the Jewish people. The Jewish people used to be through that nation that the people would be saved. They'd have to become, you know, Jewish, become part of that religion to be saved. That's how God was going to save the world. And ultimately, he did in sending his son Jesus Christ to suffer and die for the world. But if the Gentile would go to the temple, you know, there would be a saying there that would tell them, look, if you go beyond this point, If you go beyond this point, you put your life at risk because you don't belong here. They didn't see them as having God's grace, but now Paul is saying that God's grace is for everyone. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you've done, where you've been. God's grace is for you. So Paul continues writing this. Ephesians 2.8, text that maybe we're familiar with. Let's read this together. God saved you through faith as an act of grace. You had nothing to do with it. Being saved is a gift from God. You were saved by grace through faith, not on account of anything that you have done. doesn't matter how good we think we've been, how good we think we can try to be, we are not saved by that effort. We have no room, Paul continues with verse 9 there, about bragging or boasting about that. This is God's gift to us. God's amazing grace. And as God extends his grace to us, then God, again, uses unlikely people. So he's using Paul here, so Paul fully understands God's grace, because he understands all the hard work that he did, as he talked about himself being the Pharisee of Pharisees, that none of that ultimately mattered, that being of Jewish lineage and heritage, that that didn't matter. What mattered is that God saved him through Jesus Christ, that that he is saved by God's grace. Because of that, he sees himself, and he he sees these Christians in Ephesus, and we, by extension, this is how he sees the church. Let's read verse 10. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus, so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. So God's masterpiece. We've used this text a number of times. We are God's masterpiece. You are God's masterpiece. You might feel like you're the most unlikely, most ordinary person, but you are a masterpiece of God. And God has created you, he's created us, as he gathers us together to do the works that he's planned long ago for us to do in building his kingdom. Ephesians 2.20, let's take a read together. You are like a building with an apostle and prophets as the foundation and with Christ as the cornerstone. So here, you know, again, last week we talked about how the church is like the body, and Christ is the head, and we are all different parts of the body. Well, here we have the image, you know, that we are part of this building project. Have you ever been a part of a building project before? Now, before some of you 
you know, shake heads and say, no, I, I haven't been. I mean, we've all been kids. I mean, we played in the mud, you know. You built things with Legos. You know, I had Legos before. You had all the extra cool things you could build. You got, you know, garage sale Legos. And, and you just build all kinds of crazy fun things. Or in Scouts, you know, we do building projects usually on the side of these steep hills to help work with erosion. Or rebuilt my deck recently with help of my son and Dale. I mean, we're all part of building projects. Whether they're at business and work or home, big or small, we're all part of that. But you know, you're part of God's building project in this world. You are a brick of God's building His kingdom. Building His love into our community and our world. Ephesians 3.10. Let's read this together. His intent was that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known. So God's plan. So God is a great architect here. His plan is to make, through the church, his wisdom known to the authorities, the principalities, the world. And what Paul is getting at here is that, you know, God is using us to build his kingdom. That you matter to God. That's important. You matter to God. You matter to God. That's why he sent his son, Jesus Christ. You matter to God. That's why he calls you in faith and gathers you, gathers us together as part of a church. You matter to God, not because you're extraordinary. Well, you are extraordinary. Because you're ordinary, like you and me. We're, we're ordinary, and God uses us. Even though sometimes we may feel like a small person, a no person, a nobody that nobody takes any notice of. Sometimes we feel that way about maybe our church. You know, we're not one of those really big churches. But God uses us. See, here's the point. First point is God uses unlikely people. Here's the second point. You are part of something bigger. Do you ever think about that? You are part of something big, really big. You know, we live in a time where we feel like the church, you know, doesn't have a significance in this world, where the world seems to tell us, look, you don't matter, you're old-fashioned, you have nothing to say here. We, we live in this world right now in the midst of a pandemic, wondering what the post-pandemic will look like. And through all of this, we're in a post-church culture that tells us the church has little value. And sometimes we feel like we have to work hard to show significance. But you know what? We don't have to show our significance. Our significance is in that God is using us to build his kingdom, to make his manifold witness known to the world. You and I are part of something bigger. 1940, middle of World War II. It was necessary to do the evacuation of British troops who were stuck on the shores in France and were in danger as the German the Nazi army was closing in on them. And so the British government devised this plan called Operation Dynamo. Operation Dynamo to evacuate over 300,000 British troops. Now, if you're familiar, there's actually a movie that came out just a few years ago called Dunkirk because the shores of France they're on is Dunkirk. And it really is, and take a look at this image here, which is really great. They didn't use big battleships and, you know, professional army ships to get these men safely home. They evacuated these troops through trawlers, tugs, 
fishing slopes, lifeboats, and sailboats. Some little insignificant boats became part of something bigger, part of this bigger operation. That's the same way for you and for me. It's the same way for our church, small churches, medium churches, big churches, that God uses us as part of his operation in this world. His operation to save the world through his son, Jesus Christ. To share the good news of Jesus Christ in this world. You are part of something bigger. We are part of something bigger than ourselves. We are part of God's plan of sharing Jesus in this world. Think about one of the projects that we're working on and one of the very practical projects of sharing hope and sharing love in our community. As we are trying to gather, you know, through some financial gifts, small gifts like a $10 or $20 gift, supplies for three of the schools here in Lincoln as they are opening up and operating in the midst of a pandemic. And how can we support them? Now, by one person, it may seem like we don't do a whole lot, but as we gather our resources together, we make a difference. We can show and share the love of Christ. So here's a question for us just to kind of ponder, kick around here this week. How does seeing yourself as part of something bigger change your understanding of the church? It's not just you, but also us. And us, us not only as Holy Savior, but us Holy Savior because we're part of what's called the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. And, and even part of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod as part of Christian churches throughout the world that together we're part of God's rescue operation in Jesus. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you. We thank you that you have made us alive again in your Son, Jesus Christ, by the power of your Spirit who works through the Word, that works in us to transform and change us. We thank you that being alive in Christ, we know we are forgiven and we are loved. Lord, sometimes we think we are the unlikely. We think there's nothing really special about us. Lord, you remind us again and again that we are special to you. And that we are part of your great rescue operation to share the good news of Jesus Christ with the world, with our community, with our family, our neighbors, our friends, our classmates. Holy Spirit, help us to see how we are part of this saving operation. We pray this, Jesus, in your name. Amen. For more information about Holy Savior, including service times and location, please visit holysavior.org. Thanks for listening, and until next time.